Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor David Hall. If you'd like to find out more about David or to keep up to date with his ministry, you can visit davidhall.com.au. We hope you enjoy the message. John chapter 5, musicians, you're fantastic. Thank you, but just don't go too far. And I want to speak short, and then we're going to pray and believe God for the supernatural to touch this house and for you to be filled with the presence of God. Are you ready? John 5 verse 1, and it says this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda having five porches. Somebody say porches. In these lay a great multitude. Now like a thousand is like a multitude. A great multitude is like a couple of thousand, maybe, but a lot, a lot of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. And it says this, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man who had an infirmity 38 years. Somebody say 38 years. That's a long time. 38 years he had an infirmity. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, him and said, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. I only want to talk about this for a minute. There's a lot that you could talk about in this passage, but This story is fascinating to me because I I really do feel like there are a lot of Christians, a lot of leaders, a a lot of youth pastors, whoever the case may be, that in a lot of ways, and this story, if you just have a look at it from a slightly different perspective, there's actually something in this story that I find so powerful. You've got a man that, for whatever reason, was laying unable to move for 38 years. That's a long time. Nearly four decades of being sick, being unable to function as a human, being broken. I mean, his whole world was about the fact that one day maybe, you know, if something, and people even said it could have been folklore that an angel did that. It could have just been uh, superstition that an angel would touch the water and he waited. Every time the angel came, someone got in there before him. He, he had no one. And Jesus comes by and he says, hey, he says this. And, and if you think about it, you know, without, I mean, deeply, maybe you, you come to this conclusion, but if you don't really think about it, it can appear like Jesus is asking the weirdest question. He says to a guy that is, that is crippled, has been so for 38 years, and is right in the vicinity of the supernatural, and he says to him, do you want to be made whole? To me, that's a, that's a bizarre question, because you read that, and go, of course he wants to be made whole. But the more you think about it and, and the more you try and understand the picture, is it possible that maybe that man had got comfortable being in the vicinity of maybe God doing something or something supernatural happening, but had even gotten past even wanting to be made whole. He had just gotten so used to the idea of something could happen 
but I'm not really going after it. And there's a, there's a point in that thought that I, I wonder if Jesus asked him that because maybe Jesus realized the guy had been thinking it might happen, it might happen, but actually got to a point where I don't even know if he even wanted to be made whole anymore. But if you, if you change this around a little bit, it's like we might say, God, we want revival in this nation. We're, around, we're in the vicinity of the power of God. There's worship, there's something happening. You know, there's a stirring of, of God's spirit or, or whatever, but we're, we're not jumping in. Maybe we're not able to get in or we're not jumping in or, or whatever the case may be. But I feel like even God's saying to us in this room today, hey, do you actually want the revival you've been believing for? I know we get up and say, oh, God, send revival. I feel like God's stopping and saying, hey, you're right near what I want to do. You are, you're so close, but, but do you actually want, do you want a move of God? You know, I, I talk about revival. I talk about the presence of God, even in our church. I have to get to a point sometimes where I feel like God's saying, well, do you actually want to see me do this? In our youth ministry, we say, God, send revival. I think sometimes if we had revival, it's not as pretty as we think it might be. In the Bible, revival looks like a roof being torn off and someone lowered down on a bed. Revival looks like mud created by spit being stuck in somebody's eyes. Revival looks like Jesus walking into church, whipping people. Who brings a whip to church? I may have brought a selfie stick. We could use that. Jesus is saying to him, hey, you've talked about this every year for 38 years. I think like in Australia, we've been talking about God. Change our nation. God, touch Australia from Hobart to... Yeah. From Weeper to the far other side of the country, the, east, the, the western part of South Australia. There's that republic over there. But I want to see God touch this nation, you know. I want to see a move of God where we see this nation shaken by the power of God. And, you know, we pray for it, we talk about it, but I wonder if we're so used to lying on the porch praying and thinking maybe God do it and we just add it to our prayers. I feel like Jesus is stopping and saying, hey, this can happen. Do you actually want to, want to do it? And do you want to see it happen? And here's the thing, maybe God's spoken to you about the call of God on your life and you're always talking about what God's going to do one day. Can I tell you, I've met people who are now in their 50s and their 60s still talking about what God's going to do. I feel like Jesus is saying, hey, do you want to be made whole? Do you, do you want this? Do you want this? Because, and, then the, and then this crippled guy says to him, he says, I want to get in those waters, but I have no man. And little did he know that the very man that he needed could pick him up and change his life. And Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? And he says, in the name, well, he didn't say in the name of Jesus. It was Jesus. That would have been odd. He could have, in the name of me, you know. He says, rise up more. What did he say? He said, there's Bible terminology for get up off the porch, man. Get up and grab what I got for you. Because I want to touch your life. And you know, too often, I feel like maybe our generation, maybe you'll understand what I'm saying. Maybe you won't even... You'll be like, oh, cool. I feel like there is, a, there is a, an ability within us, if we tap into it, to know what it is to be receivers of the power of God, to be people who posture ourselves, not to just be in an environment where God's moving and, he, and we close the action or, or, or you know, in the vicinity of, but 
to be able to jump in at what God wants to do. There is something about a God encounter that I believe every Christian needs to have that moment where, you know, so if some people say, you know, I think I've had a God encounter. Let me tell you, if you got run over by a Suzuki Swift, you, it's not the world's most manly car, I had one. It did a lot of damage to who I was. That car took something from me. But can I tell you something? You got run over by a car. You're not going to be going, well, I think I got run over by a car. I've got an arm missing. Let me tell you something. If you, you know if something's happened. I mean, you know when God has touched you. I mean, in, in, in the Bible, there was a, a move of God where the power of God fell from heaven and there's fire on people's heads. And I don't know what that was. More of a wave on someone's head, more like the thing that's on a rooster's head. I don't know. But there was fire from heaven, and they're just talking to each other. They couldn't even speak English. They're like, how are you going? Cool. What does that mean? I don't know. But your head's on fire, bro. And they're just, they're having this thing. But, but, do, but do you know, they knew. They knew that God had been with them. And the people that saw him said, something's happening. These guys are drunk. And Peter's like, well, they're not drunk. The pub's not open yet, so they're not drunk. They are, but they're not. They're drunk on something else. They're drunk. They're intoxicated on the power and the presence of God. And so they just went out and just went crazy. And talk about taking it public. And they, they, they left where they were, and the church got out of the building and shook a city under the power of God. And I believe this nation, Australia, the great south land of the Holy Spirit, God wants to visit this nation and change it by the power of God. But the problem is I feel like often we talk about revival as this thing that's going to come and just we'll just pray it in. Revival's not something you pray in. Revival's something that rises on the inside of you. It's in here. Man, I'm in revival right now, man. Praising God. Something's going to happen. But we can, we, we can be people who, I feel like sometimes we sit back waiting for something supernatural maybe to happen and, and fantasizing about some folklore angel coming. Here's the thing. The Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost. Jesus is Jesus, man. And he can touch you right where you are. Now, let me show you this. Because this guy's just in the vicinity of the supernatural 38 years. If you have a look at the woman in the Bible, she had this issue of blood. She had it for 12 years. She went to doctors, got worse. Then one day she had enough. And she said, within herself, if I can touch the hem of the garment of Jesus, I know I'll be healed. So she, I don't know how she got to him, whether she bit people's legs and crawled through a multitude of people. She touched his clothes. And Jesus stops. And he says, who touched me? The disciples are going, everybody's touching you. He said, nah, someone touched me different. I said, what do you mean? He said, because when she touched me, the Bible says that virtue went out from him. That word virtue just means the power of God. He said, I felt power leave me and touch somebody. Someone touched me in faith. And you know, the truth is in a room like this, you can come in, you can jump around and those things are cool and, and they're important, worshiping God, expressing our praise, but there is a deeper realm, a deeper space of a God encounter where you can touch him and place a demand on the power of God. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? See, sometimes we come to church, we don't expect anything. We come to church. See, for me, I, I want to be like that woman and come to church and make a decision. When I walk in the house of God, no matter where it is, I want to touch the hem of the garment. I want to draw something out of the room. Why don't you come today? I want you to draw something 
from heaven in this room today so you can leave knowing that you have connected. See, what you've got to understand about the anointing of God is that there's a conduit that brings the power of God into your life, and it's a thing called faith. When you have faith, it's a conviction, an expectation, a sense that God is going to do something. When you come to a God who's anointed and full of power with faith, it's through that avenue of faith that there's this thing called impartation. Faith plus the anointing. When there's a point of contact, there's an impartation. A point of contact can be one word from God. A point of contact can be someone laying their hands on your head. See, I've prayed for people, man, and I've prayed for them forever. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, and they're standing there like a gnome in Burke's backyard. Now, most of you don't even know what Burke's backyard is, but that was funny when I first started doing this. I love Burke's backyard. Give me a home among the gum trees with lots of plum trees. You know, I was just singing that. I feel the anointing. Sheep or two or a kangaroo. I knew the rest of the song, I'd sing it with great confidence. <laughs> but you know, when you come in faith, believe in God, something happens. I feel like our generation need to understand that if we want to be sensitive to the Spirit, let's not stay on the porch. Let's do what she did, approach God in faith. Another thing you can do, just be aware of the supernatural. Mary was pregnant with Jesus. Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. She wasn't pregnant with John the Pentecostal. She was pregnant with John the Baptist. And can I tell you something? It's pretty crazy because this John the Baptist was the most radical Bible character. I mean, he says, Jesus is coming. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with power. So the reason I'm telling you that is this move of the Spirit. It's not about whether you're AOG or ACC or CRC or TAB or... practice that one as well. <laughs> it's not about whether you're, because there's church backgrounds in this room that are varied and different, all part of the colors of God's beautiful church. So it's not whether you're Pentecostal. I'm not Pentecostal. I'm Pentehostal. <laughs> Very serious about this. I'm not charismatic. I'm a charismaniac. See, let me, I can prove it. You, now let me give you a history lesson. You were raised in normal houses, not me. I was raised by crazy people. My parents, when they fought, it wasn't in English, it was in tongues. It was like, I don't know come out of her in Jesus' name. You know, let me tell you something. When I was sick on a school day, I didn't get sympathy or debtor. Well, you don't get debtor, I don't know what that was. When I was sick on a school day, I didn't get nothing. I didn't get sympathy or love or care or tenderness. The door would burst open. In walks my dad with a bucket of oil, enough to drown a bilby. (laughs) In the name of Jesus! It was like oil boarding, you know. Too far. In the name of Jesus! Healed by the power of God! And you think that was bad. And his wife walks in. In the name! Four foot three and a half with her socks on. She walks in and she says, Come out of him, you spirit of infirmity! She starts praying in tongues. All the dogs in the area howling. Be healed. And the dogs, just, they lie down, you know. I'd get up and leave my room. Black eye, thick lip. Blood coming out of my ear, but not one flu symptom, you know. You might think that's, that might not be like your house. For your sixth birthday, you might have got a G.I. Joe. 
I got an overhead projector. I don't know if you knew this. True story, but not like one of these fangled things. This, we're going to talk prehistoric. The overhead projector I had was a metal box, yay big by yay big by yay big. It had a glass top with kind of a lens thing in it, a big fat globe, and you would get the transparency. We don't even know what that is. The people that make them would be broke now. The transparency was like an A4 piece of see-through plastic paper, and you would print the words or write the words to the chorus on the transparency that would be on a lit up box. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or is this a... And would have like, a, like a, a stem and a mirror with a lens and it would, you'd angle it on the wall then put the transparency on. You'd sing the song. If you put it upside down, people thought the song was in Russian and it was Mission Sunday. <laughs> I remember I'd get my teddy bears, you know. My overhead, my friends, they'd come over, we'd have church. We had communion one day. I gave them Panadol and iced Fovos. <laughs> That's heaps funny, but you don't even know what they are. And I'd hold the little cup with Panadol. I'd say, friends, there's healing in this cup. I remember I took up an offering for the church. My friends put about three bucks in. I bought mixed lollies. It was awesome. I was in full-time ministry by the age of six. Let me tell you, if you're a kid with three bucks and mixed lollies, man, you're rich. And so we had church. I'd start praying for these bears, man. They're getting filled with the Holy Ghost. They're falling out under the power of God. I baptized Big Teddy's eye fell off. My mum sewed his eye back on and we testified to the healing power of Jesus. It was a move of God in my bedroom. Then one day I went to school and some friends of mine, this is a true story, came to the house and decided they wanted to play with the overhead. They left it on and our house burnt down in 1988. That was good. I know. I actually have childhood issues. All of my toys gone. All of them. My sister's toys were fine. Anyway, God knows. But here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I grew up in a house where my parents were radical. They'd pray for everything. Believe God for everything. I grew up believing that God wants to act. He's actually supernatural. See, see, people that go, you know, Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if you believe Jesus is the same today as he was then, the Bible, John says he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. In other words, he just wants to get you loaded with the power of God. If Jesus doesn't change, he wants to get you loaded with the power of God right now, filled with the power of heaven. And you know, I, I was reading about David, and uh, maybe a keyboard player, because I'm not really here to preach a sermon. I just want to get your faith to a place where you believe. Actually, wait on the keyboard player just one sec, because the story's too silly. Cannot be accompanied with anything anointed. <laughs> but you know, I was um, reading about David. He, he, he uh, got the Ark of the Covenant, which is basically a metal box that God was in. Very anointed box. A very good box. Stayed at a bloke's house. The minute the box was there, he just became a millionaire. Ka-ching, this box was awesome. But David valued it because it had the presence of God in it. The Ark of the Covenant. So David gets the box and brings it back to Israel. And he's so pumped. And he's the king at the time. He just decides to dance. But as he was dancing, he's like, man, this tunic, very uncomfortable. So I'm going to get rid of the tunic. This phylactery, I'm not enjoying the phylactery. So he took off the phylactery, which was the prayer box, sat on his head, took that off. He took off different stones and started to take off the robe with the pomegranates at the bottom and the bells. Take, finally, David's like, this is better. Looks out and he's naked in the whole city of watching him and he just starts to dance, which was a sight. And you know something, I, I don't recommend that here in Queensland. 
in South Australia, we, we're a bit different, but here it's probably not appropriate, but he's dancing. And, and, and the presence of God, the whole city goes into revival, man. Everyone's getting pumped. Because he had this sense of awe and respect and honor for the presence of God. He wanted something to happen. He didn't stay on the porch. He got up, he got this card, he got this stuff, this ark back in the city. He's praising God and full of faith. And as he's worshiping Jesus, he dances. He says, he says I'm going to praise God. And his wife sits there and she says, how can you do this? Make yourself look so stupid in front of the people you lead, in front of your low staff and your servants. And he goes, he looks at his wife and says, I'm going to even become more undignified. He said, I'm going to even get more free in the presence of God. I'm going to get more crazy under the hand of God. Why is that? Because he understood that he, he didn't care he was king. He didn't care who he was. He just said, I want to be free to let the presence of God, the power of God work in my life. And then she starts cursing him out. And the Bible says she was barren from that day. Why? Because God did not want to see another generation who had no respect for the presence of God, rise. And I want to tell you, let us not be the generation that stops the presence of God. See, we can depend on stuff like this, and it's awesome. But here's, here's the point that I'm, I think I'm trying to make. I don't want us to get so dependent on it all looking good, church looking good, feeling good, the music right, the atmosphere just looking cool. Environment's so important. They're only tools. most important thing we have is His power and presence. And in this room today, God wants to touch people. But we've got to lean into God. Sometimes we're waiting for God to come back to us. Yes, God, if you want to touch me. Let me tell you, I'm not waiting for God to touch me, Pastor Mark. I'm going to touch him. I'm going to grab a hold of him. Because by faith, I'm going to pull out a draw. I'm going to draw on the anointing of God. I had a young guy ring me one time. Well, he didn't ring me. He rang the church. And in those days, our church was called Miracle City Church. Good name. We changed it. <laughs> our slogan, Miracle City Church. Good church. Terrible name. And so the phone rings. No, I didn't answer the phone. I wasn't the secretary, but it was when it was like nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. I thought, I might answer it. Someone might be looking for church. So I answered the phone. And I hear this voice on the phone. Do you believe in miracles? I said, hey. He said, do you believe in miracles? I said, hey. Do you believe? I said, I heard you. This is funny. <laughs> he said, I'm ringing from the hospital, Flinders Medical Center, and I have a paralyzed tongue. I said, not good. He's under 24-hour supervision because if he falls asleep and swallows his tongue, he can suffocate. He can't near the tongue, which is an incredibly interesting condition. So he, he says, can, do you believe in miracles? I said, yeah. He goes, well, I've called three churches this morning, and they've all said they don't believe in miracles. So I said, well, fourth time's a charm. I said, we believe in miracles, and you're going to get one this morning, so come along. Which you say, that's risky. Not really. He didn't know what I looked like. So <laughs> you say, might be dishonest. I say it's resourceful. So he comes to church. He sits next to me in church. He's still got his hospital band on. And we're singing, we're worshiping God. And how great is our God? He's like, how great is our God? I want to keep worship going just to hear. So it's pretty funny. It actually reminds me of another story. We'll get back to that story. I used to pick up a kid for church who had Tourette syndrome. It was awesome. And we'd drive, we'd, I remember I was picking him up and it was the youth pastor at the church at the time and he says, don't you rev this guy up. And he says, if you repeat stuff over and over and over, he will, um, he will be unable to not say it. And so I was like, all right, I won't do that. <laughs> I was lying through my tooth. And so he says, 
he gets in the car and it had leather seats. And the first thing he says, leather upholstery. I'm like, Jesus, I love this kid. This guy's awesome. So we're driving the car. I'm testing it out. This is when I was at Paradise. And so, so he, I used to bring this kid to youth and I'm driving the car. So I'm like, dog, 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 dog. He's like, dog. And it, so I thought, I've got an idea. We get him to church. Youth had been a bit quiet. There wasn't a move of God happening as much as there should have been. So I thought, I'm going to use this guy to help fire things up a little bit. So guys preaching. God has a plan. He wants to do something in your life. I'm like, amen, 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 amen. And then the pastor gets up. If you have your Bibles, amen. And everyone's going nuts. It brought revival. Move it, God. I called it the Great Tourette Revival of 1998. The Great Tourette. Anyway, back to the other story. So this guy's in church, paralyzed tongue. I go to get up to MC the service and say, if you have a need, lift your hands. We're going to pray for you. Before I did, I have a stepmother. Crazy. Pentecostal. Crazy charismatic. Like, so anointed that she blinks inadvertently. <laughs> Definitely would have some level of flag in her. <laughs> Somewhere, in, 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 there's all sorts, yeah, she's, so she says, she grabs the mic. I go to get up, she goes, she points this young man. Now, you tell me if you, I'm the young, a young pastor. This freaked me out because I was worried. She goes, young man, speak in tongues right now. We've never done it before or ever since. We don't do that, like, you don't just go to an individual that's never been to your church and needs a miracle speaking. Speak in tongues right now. And I'm like, well, had mixed emotions. <laughs> part of me was like, oh God, he's never coming back. The other part of me was like, well, I want to see how this plays out. <laughs> because to speak in tongues is not a huge amount of requirements, a relationship with Jesus and a functional tongue. <laughs> Which he did not have either at that point. I thought maybe he could get saved and his best shot was maybe speaking in teeth. I thought he could speak in teeth. <laughs> she says to him, speak in tongues, and puts his hand and said, in the name of Jesus. He hits the floor. Kaboom. In fact, she said, in the name of G. She never had time to say this. Speaking in tongues, in the name of G. This. Then he starts speaking in tongues. Goes back to the hospital. He's talking in perfectly normal English. They said, what happened? He said, I went to a church. A crazy woman assaulted me, threw me to the ground. Can I get a piano player? Oh. <laughs> he had such goes back to the hospital. Healed by the power of God. Serving God since his whole family saved in our church. Why? God encounter. Can I say, programs are great. They're important. They're part of everything. I have them in our church. We love them. We love all that stuff. But can I say something? The presence of God undergirds everything you do. The presence of God will reach. I mean, lights can't save you. Games can't save you. But they can bring people in, and it's important. But when you bring them in, do you have an environment that's sort of in the vicinity of the power of God? Or, is, or do you actually want to move a God? And you, today, do you want to be made whole? Today, do you want to touch from God? Today, I want to see you get filled. I want everyone to stand for a minute. Don't, run, don't come to the front just yet because we'll do an altar call in a second and see what God wants to do. I want you to lift your hands to God. In this room, just give the Holy Spirit permission. Give the Holy Spirit permission to touch you. Give the Holy Spirit permission. You say, what do you mean? You know, sometimes I think we've already come into the room thinking, I hope something happens. For me, it's like, God, I'm hungry. God, I, I don't want to leave here the way I came. I, I, want to, 
I want to touch the hem of your garment. I want to, it's funny, she touched the hem of the garment. She didn't even touch him. She just touched what was on him in the natural. But what was on Jesus in the supernatural touched her. And you come in here and you lift your hands to God and say, God, I want your anointing. And I want to ask you a question today. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want God to touch you? Youth pastor, do you, re- do you really believe that God's called you to do the things that are in your heart? Or have you just for the last 38 years just been saying it because you feel like it's the right thing to say? I think sometimes we say things because it's just what you say. Yeah, we're going to shake nations. Can I tell you the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at your disposal in Jesus' name. Amen. I feel like right now, just in the last maybe two minutes, just something shifted in the room. There's just an anointing. I want you to lift your hands to God for a minute. Heaven's going to come. Here's the thing. The Spirit of God's going to move. People are going to get touched. Some of you cry. Some of you laugh. Some of you cry and laugh and fall down. Some of you will stand there. Some of you will maybe in your seat. There will just be a visitation from heaven. But here's the thing. Let's just forget about what brand of church we have. Let's forget about what church culture we have. I'm not asking to change. I don't want to change the culture of your world. What I, what I really want to do is just get you understanding that right now, He, the Holy Spirit, is in this room and He wants to touch you. He wants to fill you. And, and, and when I say you, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you in your seat. I'm talking to youth pastors, young person, the front, the back, the left, to the right. In this room, a visitation from the power of the Holy Spirit to touch and change your life so you are never the same again. Come on, let's lift our hands high to God. Some of you are half-masked. Just really lift them, full-masked. God, we're hungry, man.